You're listening to an audio resource from Vineyard Church of the Rockies in Fort Collins, Colorado. We are joining God's mission, transforming all things, and you're invited. To learn more about us and how you can connect, please visit votr.church. Well, we're in the final message of a series that we've been calling Love Foco, where all series long we've been asking the question, what does it mean to be a godly friend? What would it look like if Christ was at the center of my relationships? And every week we've been starting the sermons with an interview uh, from a ministry partner that we have in our church because they help us demonstrate the friendship of Christ to the city around us. And so would you help me welcome Brian up on stage? We want to bring Brian up here. Brian is a friend to this church. He's a friend to our city, but he's also a great friend of mine. And man, we're so thankful that you're here. Brian, you run Celebrate Recovery, and you do all kinds of different things here at our church. But why don't you just share with us a little bit about what happens here on Monday nights through Celebrate Recovery, anything else that might be on your heart, ways people can get plugged in. Sure. First of all, good morning, Vineyard family. How's everybody doing? Uh, that was we... a really good, re- good morning back to you, by yeah, the way. That's right. I, I don't know that I've ever gotten that kind of call and response. <laughs> so, yeah, well, take something out of your book. Well, sweet. Uh, I threw you off now. Go ahead, Brian. Tell us a little bit about what you do here at the so, video. So, yeah, we uh, so Celebrate Recovery meets on Monday nights at 630. Um, and we've seen a lot of growth uh, since the last time I talked to you guys last year. Uh, we've probably got a couple dozen people coming just on on. Uh, on Monday nights alone, but we've also started a Thursday night step group run by Chuck Fussman over there, and it is kind of a deeper dive into the 12 steps. It's a little bit less of the worship and the open group meeting and more about um, kind of diving deep into these 12 steps and really doing our amends and filling out our spiritual inventories and keeping each other accountable, and that's been really great, and uh, every week we've had 20 plus of our brothers from Harvest Farm coming out here every Sunday, and we've got guys driving the vans for that. Jeremy's been helping with that, and so... I guess, first of all, last time I was up here, I kind of, I made this because my brain doesn't always work really great. Um, and I wanted to thank our leaders. So we have a lot of leaders around here who help make all of this happen. We've got Tyler and Chuck and Kendra and Rod and Cole leading our worship and my beautiful wife, Jenny, who runs communications every week. And we just make this whole thing happen on a volunteer basis. And we're starting to see some real change. We got invited um, on Wednesday nights now to do Celebrate Recovery at the mission, at the Fort Collins Rescue Mission. And we've been doing that every week. And um, we're just seeing kind of a circle of just brave people who want to see transformation. And it's been really cool. Um, So yeah, that's kind of what's going on. I've been so thankful for you kind of taking the charge. Obviously, there's an incredible team around you. But you know, one of the reasons why I wanted to bring you up and, and share with you, along with all the partners that we've introduced on a weekly basis, is this ministry partnership is unique because it's all in-house. It happens right here, and now it's going out to the city. All the other partnerships have been out in the city and have been building a relationship here, and this is the opposite. And I'm just so thankful for the way that you've created space for people who are struggling in an area of life with hurts, hang-ups, addictions, things like that. You, you know, you and I both have personal stories with this and seeing God transform our lives, and uh, it's such a beautiful thing that you're helping create space for other people to experience the same Christ that has changed our lives so dramatically. Yeah. So I'm just very grateful for you, very, very thankful for everything you're doing. Would you just help me pray for Brian, help pray for CR, everything else that's happening around our city? Let's do that right now. God, thank you so much for Brian. And we know that he stands up on stage, but he represents so many other leaders who are in this room viewing online around Northern Colorado. Would you bless and anoint every single leader who's engaged in Celebrate Recovery? God, would this continue to be a church where people can come with their whole selves? 
the parts that they want to hide, the parts uh, that have, have hurt them maybe in the past? And would you continue to move in miraculous power, one life at a time, setting people free for the glory of God through the power of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit? Thank you, Lord, for all that you're doing. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks, guys. Brian, love you, man. As always, Brian will be out at the table out by the calls wall after the service. I would encourage you to go and connect with him and maybe talk about how you can get connected with all that he's doing. Well, as I was preparing to finish our series on godly friendships, I couldn't help but think back and spend some time uh, just reflecting on all of my childhood friends. You know, I don't know if you remember maybe your first childhood friend a neighborhood kid or a classmate who you just really hit it off with. One of my best friends growing up was a guy three houses down. His name was Tanner Hull. And I didn't have any Christian friends growing up. I wasn't following Jesus until I was in college. So all of my friends, none of us knew the Lord. We were all just stumbling through, through our worlds together. But Tanner and I, we just hit it off and we spent so many hours together. And our neighborhood, it backed up to a farm. And so behind us were trees and cow pastures and ponds and all kinds of different things. And we would always hang out and we would go explore what we affectionately called the backwoods. And we did dumb stuff. I mean, just silly stuff. Like we would hop the fence and chase cows or shoot off fireworks or catch bluegills and go swimming in the pond and pick off leeches because of everything. I mean, look, I grew up in Iowa, so it, it did have a little bit of a redneck flavor to it. But this is the kind of stuff that we did, and we enjoyed exploring the backwoods together. But there was another kid, two houses down, and I won't share his name because he wasn't that kind, and we didn't have a great relationship. Now, I wasn't a great friend either, particularly before I met Jesus, but this guy just had it out for me. And I don't know what it was, but he really liked picking on little Jeff. You know, and I wasn't that big of a guy. I'm still not that big of a guy. So little Jeff could get picked on from time to time. I remember one time he kicked a ball, hit me right in the gut, and then he tackled me like immediately afterwards. And I was just lying on the ground, collapsed under the weight of this larger boy, just two houses down. But I'll never forget what Tanner did because he was there too. Tanner walked up to this kid, pushed him, and then clocked him right in the face. And I, I'm not saying like, that's how we should handle our problems. I, 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 to be honest, I was like in fourth grade, so I'm sure I remember that it was way more epic than it actually was. But you know, you're lying on the ground, kind of beat up, and then your neighbor stands up for you. Man, I tell you what, you have this sense of like pride that someone is defending you, that justice has been served, and you just start to walk around the neighborhood like you're invincible or something, that no one can mess with you. And this isn't, listen, as a pastor and as a man of faith, I'm not condoning violence, okay? I'm pushing that, but, but it was refreshing to have someone stand up for me, and I learned early on that you don't have to be the biggest guy in the room as long as the biggest guy likes you. <laughs> that really, really helps in situations like this. But this is friendship at a childhood age. And we have friends as we go about our life in different ages and different stages. And friends do different things at different times. Friends defend us. Right? Friends help us celebrate. 
True friends can celebrate with you, but they can also mourn with you when you're grieving and experiencing loss. Friends will go on adventures with you into the backwoods or into the next chapter of your life. Friends will even keep you company in the mundane activities that we all have in our experience. I was having lunch with a man that I've recently come to really trust and admire. His name is Dick Foth. He's a writer and speaker, and we were talking about this very series and how important I felt like it was to pull from Scripture and talk about what it means to be a godly friend. And he looked at me and he said, Jeff, you will deal with money and relationships for the rest of your life. You'll deal with these two things for the rest of your life, money and relationships, but only one of them will make you rich. Only one of them will make you rich. And I've been blessed to have great friends in my life, and the last few years has been something I've been incredibly thankful for. I'm grateful for these friendships because they've helped my mountaintops feel so sweet, but also when I'm in the valley, they've comforted me and they've helped me stay connected and create a sense of love and belonging even in the dark places. And you know, Jesus was the same way. Jesus was surrounded by people. Some people loved him, other people hated him. But specifically, Jesus chose a handful of people to grow really close with. And they were not only his followers and his disciples, but they became his friends. And their bond was so strong that even when Jesus died on the cross, death could not extinguish their friendship. It is worth noting, I think, that like many of us, Jesus was betrayed by one of his closest friends. He knows the same pain that many of us carry in our own friendships. And if you've never made a personal decision to follow Christ, to not only be his follower, but also to be his friend, then at the end of our service together, I'm going to invite you to make that decision for the very first time today. And maybe no one's ever told you that making a personal and a conscious decision to follow Christ is important. And if that's the case, and as a pastor, I am honored to present that to you today, that actually making a decision to live for Christ and surrender your life to him is essential for becoming his follower and his friend. And in a room this size, and of course, everyone viewing online, I can't help but wonder how many of us might need to make that decision this morning. But for now, we're going to dig into Scripture and, and look at our story for today. This is written by one of Jesus' closest friends, a man named John. In our passage, it's a private conversation that Jesus had with his disciples in four chapters, John 14, 15, 16, and 17, what's commonly called the farewell discourse because it's Jesus' final teachings to his disciples in the last 24 hours he was alive. And I'm so thankful that John recorded these conversations because now some 2,000 years later, we can look into them, we can dig into them, and we can see how Jesus talked about godly friendship. And we can ask ourselves, what would it look like to be a godly friend today? We're just going to read one section of this farewell discourse in John 15, starting in verse 9. Jesus said, I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I've told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. It's quite a promise. Verse 12, this is my commandment, to love each other in the same way I have loved you. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. Today's message is titled, Friendship 
requires sacrifice. The best kinds of friendships are mutual, no doubt, but we can never forget that it all started with Jesus, his sacrifice on your behalf. There is no greater love than this, when a friend lays down his life for another. And as we study the life of Jesus, as we study his farewell discourse, we learn a lot of things about following God. We learn a lot of things about loving others and what it takes to be a godly friend. You know, friendships require all kinds of different things. I love it when my friends and I can have fun together. I love it when we can go on adventures together. I love it when we can have a a, a cup of hot coffee or share a cold beer. I love it when we can go fishing or, or we can play a round of golf together, when we can forgive one another, pray for each other. All of these things are marks of a godly friendship. But Jesus makes it clear in chapter 15 that one of the marks of a godly friendship also includes sacrifice. And of course, he's the best example Jesus sacrificed it all. He sacrificed social status. He didn't care what others thought about him. He sacrificed sleep. There are passages in the Gospels where it says that foxes have dens and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to even lay his head. He sacrificed money and time and energy and comfort. He sacrificed even living in perfection because the scripture teaches us that he left heaven to come and dwell among us so that he could demonstrate to us what perfect love actually looks like. All of these things Jesus sacrificed. And then ultimately, at the end of his life here on earth, he sacrificed the very heartbeat that kept him moving as he dwelt among us. He sacrificed his own life when he died on the cross for you and for me. Now, you're not Jesus. You won't have to sacrifice your life for the redemption of all things. I'm not Jesus. I won't have to be crucified on the cross so that all sins could be forgiven. And we can all say amen to that because I would make a really lousy savior. I can't raise myself from the dead. And we would fail ultimately at all of God's plans if that hope rested on one of us in this room. But Jesus Christ came for that very purpose. He came for that very purpose, to lay his life down, demonstrating perfect love. And as followers of Christ who live in a broken world, we are called and charged to live as an example of God's great love for us. And as I look at this scripture and I meditate on the idea that there is no greater love than to lay down one's life for another, remembering that we're not Christ and we'll be called to that same sacrifice, it does make me wonder though, what would it look like for us today in 21st century America to sacrifice our lives for the ones we love? What would that look like? What would it look like for you to lay part of your life down for for another? What would it look like if you sacrificed something in your life because of your great love for the friendships and the relationships that God has placed in your life? What does that mean for us today? How can you sacrifice for your friends? How can you sacrifice for your friends? There's a thousand different answers to that question, right? But it's important to ask the question. It's important to pray about. And ultimately, it's important to take the thoughts that we receive from the Lord and put them into action. What would it look like? If Jesus is the perfect sacrifice, then we need to discover what our not-so-perfect sacrifice might look like this side of heaven. And we need to begin living like Christ, pointing people to his 
great love. How can you demonstrate the sacrificial love of God through sacrifice? It's important to think about because if you think about it deeply, you realize pretty quickly, not only anecdotally from our own lives, but clearly from Scripture, that sacrifice and value, they grow together. Sacrifice and value grow together. Value is expressed through sacrifice. The greater your love, the greater your sacrifice. The more you love something or someone, the more you will sacrifice for them, right? I mean, think about it. If you think about travel, we love to travel, so we sacrifice for it. Now, now it doesn't feel like sacrifice because it brings joy and we create memories together, but your bank account would clearly tell you, you sacrificed something for that trip. You gave up something that you had earned. You laid it out so that you could take that trip and you could travel. If you love a sport, you will sacrifice for it. You'll wake up early. You'll train harder. You'll change your diet. You will even put yourself through physical pain because you love that sport. And don't even get me started on pets, right? We sacrifice for our pets all the time. I'm a dog guy, okay? We're a dog. If you're a cat person... Um, we have a prayer team at the end of service, so we, we would love to pray. No, I don't want to lose like half the room. Listen, just think pets, just think pets. Just last week, I was walking behind my dogs outside with a plastic bag in my hand because I clean up their mess when we go on a walk. Like somehow I've become their personal cleaner. I sacrifice by scrubbing the carpet and cleaning up even within our own home, and then masking the smell when we have guests over. We sacrifice for our pets, and we sacrifice. The Lord knows we sacrifice for our kids. We sacrifice for our kids all the time. And honestly, our kids don't even recognize the amount of sacrifice that we have, nor are we going to like make them understand. They, they won't understand the totality of our sacrifice, probably until they have kids of their own, and even then they might not understand it. But we sacrifice anyway because our love is so great for them, we're willing to sacrifice equally. Many of you sacrifice for this church. Through your tithes and offerings, your, your service and volunteerism, you sacrifice to make things like Celebrate Recovery happen. Small groups, kids ministry, for us to keep our lights on, you sacrifice from your, your income to make all, that, all those things happen. We sacrifice all the time for things that we love. And Jesus is teaching us a spiritual truth that sacrificial love is a key ingredient to any Christ-centered relationship. Sacrificial love is a key ingredient to any Christ-centered relationship. So again, how is sacrificial love playing out in your life? What does it look like in your friendships? What does it look like in your family? If you can hear this truth this morning and again, put it into action, that's when real life change starts to happen. It doesn't just happen when we agree with a biblical thought. It happens when we agree with it and we make it play out in our lives. You gotta put some legs to this truth. You gotta put some legs to this truth in your life. The mission statement at our church is on the wall as you leave through the lobby. It's joining God's mission, transforming all things. It's his mission, it's not ours. We're only joining him in what he's already doing and it's transforming all things. Because yes, he does wanna transform your life, but he also wants to transform everything. He wants to transform your marriage and your family and your neighborhood, your workplace. He wants to transform broken systems in our world. He wants to transform it all. 
And I love the mission statement because it's so big and it's so large and, and you can see God doing all kinds of different things, but sometimes we can get lost in the enormity of that mission statement and we can forget about what's right in front of us. So I just want to encourage you this morning that yes, he came to establish his kingdom and to transform all things. And because of that, I firmly believe that you can be joining God's mission, transforming all things, one friendship at a time. That you can join God's mission statement for this church, one friendship at a time. Again, you'll deal with money and relationships for the rest of your life. But only one of those things will make you rich. So be the kind of friend who sacrifices so often that you get to experience the richness of godly friendship. As a pastor, one of the most challenging and one of the most beautiful and one of the most humbling parts of my job is visiting people in the hospital, visiting people in hospice, or visiting people maybe in the last days or even hours of their life. And I can tell you that when we go on those visits, it doesn't happen every week, it doesn't even happen every month, but it's definitely a consistent part of our pastoral calling on a year-to-year basis. And I, I can tell you when we go and we visit folks and when we sit by them at their bedside, there has not been a single case Not one time has someone asked me to gather all their medals and trophies and bring them to their bedside. Never. They never want to just bask in their glory one more time. They never say, you know what, show me my bank account. Let me me see all the zeros on my bank account one more time. It's always friends. It's always family. It's always relationships. It's always communion. It's always the word of God. It's always prayer. It's always bring these things as close as we can. See, when we're in our last moments, that's when our values become incredibly clear. And 100% of the time, when I get a chance to do that, it's faith, it's family, and it's friends. Every time. Every single time. And so we take communion together, we'll read scripture together, we, we tell stories about people's best friends and the relationships that have meant the most to them over the years. And again, these are the harder moments, but they're some of the most beautiful moments because life has a clarity in those final weeks. Can we borrow from some of that clarity and apply it to our lives today? We don't have to wait to the end to have that kind of clarity. We can grasp it right here, right now. If you want your testimony to grow with the people around you, if you want to be the kind of friend that people call when life gets out of control, if you want to be the kind of friend that gets to demonstrate the love of Christ over and over and over and over again, even in people's last moments, then you have to be the kind of friend who sacrifices on behalf of the people you love. And if you will do that, you'll begin changing the world. The world needs people like that. The world needs people like you, people who can love others towards the presence of Jesus Christ. The church, our church, needs people like that, needs people like you who can sacrifice for their brothers and sisters and remind them of the love of Jesus Christ. And your family, whether it's literal or spiritual or everything in between, it needs people like you holding the ground on a Christ-centered reality that includes sacrifice because it reminds everyone around you all that Christ has already done on your behalf. You'll never be able to give as much as Jesus. You'll never be able to love as much as Jesus. You'll never be able to sacrifice in a way that somehow supersedes the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. 
but it will remind people of his great love for us. It will point them to what he's already accomplished on the cross. The task has been completed. We're just acting like him on this earth. The greater the love, the greater the sacrifice. And since that's true, just look at the life of Jesus. Jesus gave it all for you. He gave it all for you. That, stem, that demonstrates exactly how much he loves you. The scripture teaches us that Jesus left heaven to come and dwell among us. And as he lived on earth, he lived a perfect life. He taught that if you believe in the Christ, if you trust in his sacrifice, and you put your hope in his resurrection, then you too will be saved. He sacrificed his life on the cross so that you could be forgiven. He was buried in the grave so all of your sins, past, present, and future, will be buried with Jesus. And he was resurrected back to life, saying if you put your hope and trust in him, he'll offer you that same resurrection life today and forevermore. All you have to do is respond to the free gift of salvation that he's offering you and commit your life to following him as best as you can. Because of that, I want to close one more time by looking at the very words of Christ as he reminds us so beautifully in verse 12 and 13 that value and sacrifice go together. Verse 12, this is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. There's no greater love than this. There's no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. Do you want to be a friend today and a follower of Jesus Christ? Are you ready to make that decision? Then in a moment, we're going to give you a chance to respond vocally and physically because Scripture teaches us that it's important to have a, a public demonstration of our faith. And if you're here this morning and, and you hear me say that and you think to yourself, have I done that? I don't know if I've ever done that before. Then, then honestly, if you're wondering if you've ever done it, the answer is probably you haven't. And the only reason I, I would say that boldly is because usually these kinds of decisions, they have a way of transforming us from the inside out. See, Scripture tells us that when we make a decision to follow Christ, it's out with the old and in with the new. That he takes your old heart away and he gives you a new heart. That you are a new creation in Christ from this day forward. You're no longer defined by your past, your sins, or your mistakes. You're only defined by the righteousness of Christ from that decision forward. And I wonder how many of us are ready to make that decision today. For everyone else who's already made that decision, then I want to encourage you to think about the sacrifice of Christ. And specifically, I want to encourage you to think about how the sacrifice of Christ will impact your friendships. I want you to pray and listen and ask God how to put into practice small acts of sacrifice throughout your week that will point people to the sacrifice of Christ. And then when you start to do that, I want you to watch. And I want you to pay attention to what God begins to do in and through your life. Because again, part of joining God's mission, transforming all things, is loving like Jesus, one friendship at a time. One friendship at a time. The city will be changed. The nation will be changed. The world will be changed with the power of the gospel. One friendship at a time. Let's pray.